Ladies and gentlemen, presenting the moment you've all been waiting for, the reason you can't sleep at night, the subject of all your firing neurons, the answer to all of your questions, your raison d'etre, the one, the only, FPL Fortress 2023 season recap. It's been another wild ride. It always is whenever FPL is involved, at least. And we want to find some sense of closure with it all. So many stressful moments leading up to the deadline. So many memorable moments, both good and bad, and so many lessons learned. We break down all that and so much more in this year's edition of the FPL Fortress Season Recap. All right, let us get this recap started with the superlatives. So we've got a couple of categories today. We've got player of the season, most consistent, uh, best purple patch merchant, most maddening to own and favorite player to own. And how this works is uh, we each nominated, um, you know, our pick for each of these categories. And sometimes uh, so for some of them, they'll overlap and some of them we uh, diverge. So uh, do you want to share your player of the season? Yeah, I think, you know, for me, there can only be one answer to this question. The Premier League player of the season, he's, you know, pretty much everything player of the season. Should win the Ballon d'Or. Sterling Holland. Oh, I mean, big take to start things off. He he faces all these criticisms. He can't do it in the Prem, you know. When he missed that that open goal in the Community Shield, people already thought he was he was going to be a transfer bust. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out, he scores what what ten goals in his first six games, fifteen in his first ten, ends up with thirty six on the season, a new Premier League record. I mean, how can he not be the player of the season? I. Would have to agree with that. I think just, ooh, yeah. Well, do we do this? This player of the season is from an FPL lens, or yeah, it is from an FPL lens, isn't it? Well, I mean, from an FPL lens, he had the most points in the game. So no, no, yeah, absolutely. But I'm, I, I guess I'll, I'll just talk about it from an, from an FPL lens. Is I think, you know, we, we've had a couple of players over the seasons who, you know, so to speak, uh, broke the game. Uh, the, one that comes to mind is Salah in the 17-18, or maybe Vardy and Mahrez in 15-16. And Holland has has certainly, certainly reached that uh, echelon of, of player, I think. Um, in terms of just the discourse that was happening around him, um, around the game, just the, you know, I, I think there was no no getting around the, the perma-captaincy shouts week in, week out, and uh just i remember the back-to-back hat tricks and if you didn't captain him you were completely screwed and uh you know he just had such yeah i mean and then after i don't know maybe after five ten game weeks he just was constantly at like 170 180 eo every single week and uh, just the impact that he's had on the game i think is tremendous yeah i mean i think there's you know one way to frame this question is who did the game revolve around the most who is yeah. you know the main character if you will in this fpl season and it has to be holland doesn't it yeah i that's a that's a great way of putting it absolutely should we move on to our second superlative the most consistent yeah and uh, i think it appears that uh, we once again agree on this one and uh, the name that uh, we both put forward is none other none other than harry kane you know it, it says a lot about 
how good Holland was. So the Canes, pretty remarkable season. It's just completely gone under the radar. Because, I mean, after game week one, Kane actually outscored Holland. Isn't that pretty remarkable? Uh, that uh, you As in, like, if you, you know, start the season from game week two, Kane has more points. Kane would be the leader in FPL. I find that hard to believe. It's it's true. Yeah, I know it's true, but like, wow. I mean, how how has that happened? I mean, you know, I think there's one good reason. He's the most consistent player. Hmm. In FPL. There you go. He's a uh, he's he's played what? All but four minutes this entire season, something like that. I have all but fourteen. All but fourteen. Fourteen. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Remarkable. Remarkable. And uh, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, I, I just think it's interesting that in many ways that consistency actually is really rewarded by FPL because despite having what six fewer goals and four fewer goal involvements, I believe. Mm. I mean, he just the bonus points that you get from being the top scorer in, in so many different games versus you know, I mean, if you get a hat trick, it's still only three bonus points versus three goals in three separate games for, for Kane, that's probably eight or nine bonus points, right. And ending on, I think, 40 bonus points. I mean, that, that might be a record in FPL. Hmm. Is there a place where you can sort players by bonus points? There is, right? Can you check that? Uh, I mean, I can sort this season. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Let's check it out. I wouldn't be surprised if it was. Trippier's on 39. Odegaard's on 30. He's the top midfielder. Gaines on 48. Holland's on 40. So, yeah. It's oh, that is... That's special. That is. Yeah. No, I mean he's. It, it almost, in a funny way, helps him being on a team like Spurs. Hmm. Because there just really isn't any competition. Yeah. It, he's always able to just lap up all those, all those you know extra bonus points. Yeah. Did you, did you own it for large swaths of the season? I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I didn't have him game week one. I didn't. You know, it wasn't until. Probably, you know, mid-season, I was really able to fit him in alongside Holland. Yeah. But, you know, over the second half, he's really been an engine for me. Yeah. And I think it's kind of strange how, you know, you know, he, he you know, has been consistent since pretty much game week one. And I, I find it kind of strange how he didn't really find himself, find his way into that, like, the majority of FPL teams until, as you said, like, like you, the middle of the season, which... I don't know, like for for someone who's so remarkably consistent and, and ended up with um, nearly the same amount of points as Holland, why hasn't he been, you know, as much of a priority transfer? I mean, I guess it's just not quite as glamorous to be putting up nine, seven, seven, eight, six, nine versus, you know, 13, four, 17, two, yeah. five. 15, you know? I guess so. Interesting. Oh, just one more note on the on the bonus point thing. I, I think it's just... I was looking up uh, Salah's bonus point stats from, from his 2017-18 season where he put up the 303 points. You want to guess how many bonus points he had? I have a feeling it might be lower than, than 48. So I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with like 38. 26. Oh! That was 32 goals and 12 assists. Oh my god. It's a 26 bonus points. So we really shouldn't take what Kane's doing for granted. Wow. That's 
That's crazy. It's pretty well, that also has something to do with Salah's horrendous, you know, chances missed in finishing sometimes. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, I don't think that season. I mean, it's put up 32 goals, so it's all that horrendous. But no, no. Yeah. I mean, it probably does have something to do with him being a midfielder and getting through, you know, right. metrics right. for the goals. But still, I mean, 44 goal involvements, 26 bonus points. I mean, don't take what Kane's doing for granted. No, no, we won't. Uh, and I think honorable mentions have to go to Trippier. I think so. Did fall off a little bit by the end, but a little bit, a little bit. He rebounded on what he had ten points against Brighton, those two assists. Yeah, classic trigger fashion against that in that Leicester draw, including three bonus points. But yeah, it was a pretty barren stretch when really the entire Newcastle defense just wasn't getting things to fall their way. Right, but before then, oh my God! Like, remember yeah. when we were talking about how he had like three blanks in like twenty game weeks? Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at. It. I mean. Let me just read out like one given stretch. 8, 5, 7, 7, 6, 9, 2, 11, 12, 7, 12, 8, 8, 9, 8, 2, 2, 1. I mean, wow. Yeah, pretty much. Um, are there any other names that you want to put forward for, for this? I think we've basically covered it, haven't we? Okay. So let's move on to the best purple patch merchant. Who have you got? For me, and I think for both of us, there was really only only one purple patch merchant that, that stood alone. There are many purple patches, but in terms of being a purple patch merchant, it has to go to Miguel Almero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, um, you know, I think he's a, a purple patch merchant in the truest sense of the, the term, you know. Um, I guess my definition of it would be someone who's bang average most of the time, if not all, like, yeah, most of the time, uh, maybe even a little worse than bang average. And then, you know, I'm curious, actually, I'm not, I'm not sure what I would define the time frame as maybe like 10 ish game weeks for a purple patch. I would, I would say it has to be at least eight. Yeah. At least eight. And if, you know, two months. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and for those eight, eight to 10 game weeks, maybe they just, everything they touches turns into gold and they're playing with such confidence and it seems like everything just goes right for them. And then, uh, you know, all of a sudden it just goes away and they go back to being bang average and well, Miguel Amaro, this is, uh, this is, this is yours. Yeah. I mean, we don't, we don't have the most maddening player to not own category <laughs> uh, for these superlatives, but for me, I think it would have to be Amaro because yeah. I mean, in my heart, you know, that entire purple patch, I knew he was bang average. I knew he didn't really deserve to be scoring yeah. goals. And I knew that the right thing to do would be to not overreact and to, you know, not make a stupid transfer and not get him get him for like Martinelli or an Odegaard or something like that and just stay the course. But he just kept scoring the goals. <laughs> he wasn't putting up, you know, good XG numbers, good underlying numbers, but he just kept scoring. And it, it just pissed me off. <laughs> way to put it. So you never got him? Never got him. Never got him. Yeah, for for me, for me, I think I was in the same mentality as you. I had the same mentality as you for maybe eighty percent of his purple patch, and then finally, after you know, like at least six game weeks of of him killing my rank, 
Um, I, I finally got him in, and then he scored. Uh, no, 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 yes. It was... No, I didn't actually spend um, a free transfer on him because I got him in thanks to the uh, uh, World Cup wildcard. Yes. Uh, and then he scored that great team goal against Leicester the first game week back, and then he just started blanking again. And, yeah, I mean, I, I just... Happened to catch him at the, the tail end of his. his yeah, run. yeah. That's something, I guess, at least you, you know, got in on the goods for at least a game week. One game week, yes. Well, that is one of the things, one of our, uh, I guess, lessons learned from past seasons, hasn't it? Is to, you know, look at form over fixtures and to, you know, jump on purple patch players because why shouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, the one counter to that is, I mean, we remember all the purple patches that, that happened, yeah. but there are, at least some purple patches that just didn't happen. I mean, there were probably some players who maybe got to go on three game weeks in a row. And it was possible that, you know, they would have gone on, kept doing that for another, you know, five or six game weeks. But if they just don't, and as we expect, it ends at three, then you'll look pretty silly for getting them in. Yeah. I mean, that that's, a, I think, that's a truism that extends well beyond FPL is that, you know, in your memory, you tend to remember the good and uh, completely forget the, the unremarkable. You also remember the bad, which we'll get to. Oh, yes, we will get to the bad. But is that confirmation bias, selection bias, something like that? For what? For the, the phenomenon you described. Oh, um, I, I don't know what I would call that, actually. Let's find out. I'm sure there's a term for it. I'm sure there is. Yes. Several terms, probably. Yes. Uh, I also want to... Uh, mention Tyrone Mings. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I'd, I'd call it a purple patch exactly because he wasn't really, you know, popping off with with goals and assists from from center back. But um, I, yeah, I let's see. I played him starting game week twenty five, um, and yeah, whenever I played him, he returned. L literally every single. Oh. Every single game week, um, he returned for me. And I remember that uh, one, one flick on header he got for an assist in that 3-0 win against Bournemouth. And oh, that made me very happy. And like, it's just, of all people, Tyron Mings, you know, having such remarkable consistency over uh, a, uh, you know, six, seven game week stretch as, you know, I think he, I think he fits the bill. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I never got in on him, so. Yeah. I think let's say the same, but oh, glad to hear it. I think we should also give a shout out to some players we considered, but we almost seem too good to be pro patch versions. Okay. Andy Rashford and Ollie Watkins. Hmm. I think we just looked at them and said, although they did have a, a very nice purple patch, they did enough over the rest of the season that it's not really fair to classify them as that. And they should yeah. give you know just a bit more respect for I, what they did over the season. Absolutely agree with that assessment. But you know, I think These two players are probably someone who's who's you know typically better than average and has an even better run of form, you know. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Shall we move on to the most maddening players to own? Let's do it. I would love to hear your take. For me, I think I don't quite have as many players listed out as you, but the the one play I have, my vendetta is strong enough that I think it'll It'll carry throughout. 
Uh, that would be Ethan Pinnock. Hmm. And the reasoning for that is pretty simple. I got Pinnock in pretty early on, actually. And he's been in my team ever since I forgot to use my wild card during the World Cup. <laughs> and he just Wait, stayed. Ever since the... What? Really? I think so. I think so. Oh, my God. I'll have to check that, but it's been a while. Uh. And put simply, he has always just been good enough that he's been producing on the bench because I've never been able to fit in my team and he's just never been a priority to drop either. Mm. And so he's always, you know, first or second spot on the bench, six points, seven points. Last week of the season, 15 points. Oh. And it just hurts to see. And I, th- I think it's the truest form of pain you can know as an FCL manager. Is what? A bench points? Yeah. Truest form of pain. Uh, there are many forms of pain. I don't know about truest form of pain. Uh, that could be a conversation in and of itself. But do you want to do you want to share uh, why exactly it was so painful for you the last game of the season with Pinnock? Yeah. Um, well, let me just refresh my memory for a moment. Well, I know he's a 15-pointer. He was set to come in, wasn't he? I believe it was the... Well, I mean, there were many sources of things that went wrong there. I think one of them was the Purvis' Stupignon sub at halftime. Yeah. Didn't start, so he couldn't get the clean sheet. And then 45 minutes in, just wanders on and ruins my Ethan Pinnock party. <sighs> Better do it. It hurt. It hurt. <laughs> um, okay. Shall I, shall I share mine? Of course. I've, as you said, I've uh, I've got many players here. I think, yeah, I do think top top uh, the top prize goes to uh, a certain Kalecha Yinacho. Uh, I you know I I really really enjoyed owning him. Uh, I think it was yeah two seasons ago. Um, yeah, two seasons March, ago. March of twenty twenty one. He. He was a purple patch merchant, wasn't he? And I think we did talk about him as as a purple patch merchant uh, two seasons ago. He, yeah, this was around game week 24, 25. He had scored 15 points and 12 points and then two points against Man United. And I I think I just fell victim to, uh, we'll talk about this a bit later, Um, just wanting someone that nobody else really owned and, you know, kind of just, shooting that crazy shot and and hoping that like really hoping that it worked out just because i felt like it and i wanted it to go right um and it uh it it really didn't uh after i got him in leicester lost seven of their last eight games uh and and ianacho oh god yes i mean he didn't get a single return and he started getting benched by the end of it and I mean, I remember I kept him as a, you know, like a last ditch, maybe sunk, a bit of sunk cost fallacy in there. Maybe there's a delusion, maybe. It was double game week 29 and he was playing Palace away and Villa at home. And, you know, on paper, on paper those are some, some pretty good fixtures and he played a total of 18 minutes and that was it for him. Wow. <clears throat> that, I may, I may have been wrong with my, my assessment of the truest FTL pain because it might be that. I, mean, I I I absolutely understand just wanting to to feel like you have yeah. differentials. 
but I feel like it takes a certain amount of wisdom that only comes from, you know, feeling these losses for so many years of FPL to recognize that that's just not the move. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at his, his, uh, his page right now and it just hurts to look at genuinely. I mean, because you can see the 15 and 12 and then Lester wins those games yep. and then Lester's form drops off. His minutes drop off. His goals drop off. Everything just drops off. And yeah. you can just, you can just see like if it's like a mountain where you reach the peak and then the moment you buy him, it's when you start going downhill. Exactly. Exactly. I, I really thought the, you know, the 12 and the 15 points, that was a turning point for Leicester as a whole, but no, that was, that was it the was peak. Not. It was not. Yeah. That's, 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 you know, that's the fear I have with buying stocks as well. So that's a fair fear, I'd say. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. I, I, I want to uh, give a couple of dishonorable mentions, if you will. Uh, Manuel Akanji, I got him into my Game Week 30 wildcard, and, you know, I thought he was pretty much nailed on Man City defender. And, uh, I mean, I think, I think we all know that's the, the first mistake you can make. Absolutely. Nailed on Man City defender is an oxymoron uh, unto itself, I think. Uh, yeah, the first game week, I own him and I start him. He gets benched and he gets brought on at halftime. Uh, and then, of course, Man City forget to keep clean sheets because Addison is Addison. Uh, and, you know, he got injured. He got no, taken off early against Chelsea and didn't play the last two games. So out of the uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, nine game weeks that I owned him, he got one six-pointer for me. Say that again, sorry. Yeah, from from what point? Just the the, the last number. Yes, uh, he got uh, one six pointer for me in total. Wow! So just a blank every other week. Yes. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think all over Twitter, I was basically hearing the same types of conversations with Ederson. Right. And oh. just how, you know, I mean, City because City were winning games during that stretch. Oh yeah. But. They'd almost get like, you know, Holland and the rest of them were just doing so well that they would just completely take their foot off the pedal and they wouldn't need to keep the clean sheet. And oh. there would just be some sort of lapse. And, you know, maybe Ederson would make a stupid mistake or someone would make a dumb mistake. Sure. Or, you know, the other team would just get into a good position and score a nice goal. And, you know, City never really were, you know, on the field ever punished for it. Mm-hmm. They kept winning. But, you know, for Ederson managers, it must have hurt. I mean, I am looking at their page right now, and that sea of green on that one, two, three, what? How many game win streak? One, two, three, four, five, six, twelve games. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no clean sheets really. So, I mean, to be fair, all over the those twelve game weeks, Man City only kept three clean sheets. So, twenty five percent, not great, honestly. That's horrendous, actually. <laughs> and even for like a mid table club, yeah. that's like worse than you'd expect. Yeah. Okay, I've got a couple more. Uh, I actually have KDB here as well because, uh, well, I don't know. I think he was another guy who was like, well, at least in the beginning of the season, in the early stages, he was pretty much nailed and it was another Man City attacker. And it's KDB for God's sake. Um, so you think he would do really, really well. But um, he really kind of just 
didn't do it for me at all. And it was frustrating because I think I kind of, well, we've talked about this in the, in the, in the smaller games, he tends to go a bit deeper, play a bit deeper. And he just didn't really get goals when I owned him and only got, you know, the odd assist here there with not really any bonus points. So it was just overall pretty frustrating, especially because he's KDB and you expect so much of him. Yeah. I mean, just to defend one of my favorite players of all time, I think, you know, I mean, we can see now after that Champions League final, he definitely was carrying an injury through the through the last, you know, leg of the campaign. And I mean, just looking at, you know, his page, I mean, you know, that huge performance against Liverpool, got assisting on Southampton Leicester, huge performance against Arsenal. They really just didn't play in the league from there on. Yeah. So it's just, you know, really once they got the title wrapped up. They they really just scaled it back for him, but I mean, you know, even still before then, it certainly is disappointing from an F- from an FPL perspective. That's what he produced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I've got just a three more players. I'll yeah, okay. I'll just, I'm just gonna say the names. Uh, Mitrovic. Uh, I think. Yeah, I mean, I captain him in that uh double game week against what chelsea and leicester and he got a goal against chelsea i was really hopeful and then he got uh injured i believe um or maybe he got a yellow card or something and he only got five points and then he didn't play the, the second game the better game i think it was against leicester um and yeah i think another earlier on the season when i got him in um, he'd, you know, gone on that really good uh, scoring spree and he just kind of stopped, which, you know, seems like a pretty common occurrence uh, whenever FPL managers buy players. And then Reese James, nothing more needs, needs to be said other than Reese James. And then finally, Danny Ward. I mean, Danny bloody Ward. Yeah. I mean, can, can we all agree that it's just a little bit, I know it was, you know, 4.0, even like 3.9 at some points, I think. But it's ridiculous that Danny Ward was many people's starting goalkeepers. It's so ridiculous. And I, I just, like, looking back on it with the benefit of hindsight, yeah. it just seems like there was no possible way that that was going to turn out well. Yeah. I don't know how he lasted in my team for so long. Well, I guess I guess I do know it, the reason being that he's really cheap and I didn't want to spend a transfer on a goalkeeper, but man, that was really, really horrible. And I got, I think I got Guaita in at some point. I finally buckled and I started rotating them. And at that point, Ward actually went on that great streak where he got like, uh, I don't know, what was it? Four clean sheets in six games or six and eight, something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then after the World Cup wildcard, I had him as my first choice goalie again and he just just it took some memory for getting potion and he just stopped being a goalkeeper so yeah i don't yeah wow well it i think it's it's overall a good thing to to air out all this trauma i think so just to get it out in the open i'm happy for both of us that we're able to get through this that was very cathartic wasn't it yeah should we move on to something a bit more fun? Our Please. favorite player stone? Yes, yes, that would be lovely. Who have you got? Well, I have none other than uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. 
who is in my mind undoubtedly at least um because i've been playing only you know these past few years undoubtedly my favorite fpl asset in general and yeah i you know definitely owned him at the beginning of the season and i kind of stuck with him uh, even after liverpool weren't doing so well and finally got rid of him and yeah and then by the time you know liverpool started picking things up around game week what 20 something um and you know trent trent just began really firing and i just really wanted to get him back and i did and he delivered and i really remember um you know that stretch where he just continued to get assists after assist and i mean this was after he moved into that midfield role and i really have to thank thank jürgen Klopp for that and i think you know if, if he continues in this position he's just going to continue being the the wonderful asset that he is yeah i mean i think you know we we all know that trent really what is his trademark was just bombing on on the right hand flank and just living crosses into you know salah firmino and the rest of them but it's really interesting that he basically just took up a new position almost almost in the same way that you know john stones and the like have for man city i was just about to say yeah and the fact that you know his his natural attacking talent has almost been able to carry over in that role is something that's really special to watch. Yeah, I mean there are some passes. I mean just his technique with a with with a football that is. Yeah. Is, I mean people saying he's you know the best striker of the ball since David Beckham. Ooh, really? which is a, a spicy take, but it is interesting one. Not a crazy one, I don't think. I don't think it is. I mean, you just look at the shape that some of the balls have and. Wow. The the whippage that he gets. Oh. Yeah. And I want to uh my player use something more to say. Please. No, no, I was just about to say, please. Okay. Yeah. So I think you know, we talked about the purple patches before, but my player is is probably one that for once I was able to really get on the right side of a purple patch, and that'll be Marcus Rashford. Because I get him in game week 15. And that's right before the World Cup. But then right after the World Cup, that's really when he starts to to really take off. I mean, he starts it off with a 14-pointer against Nottingham Forest. And then, you know, over the next, I believe the next nine games, we see his 10 goals and two assists. Oh. And, you know, that's just, that's exactly what you're looking for. An FPL asset, isn't it? I mean, I didn't even really, you know, I, I thought it would, he was due for an up, uptick in form. But I really never even expected something like that. And it was just, you know, it was really nice to behold. And also, I think there's, I think there's something to be said for when a a player on, you know, you know, your your rival team is doing well. It's almost nice to be able to like hedge your bets a bit and be able to say, you know, at least I'm, you know, getting some FPL points. So I did enjoy that. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's definitely a good point. Um. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> There was a there was a lot of talk about. I mean, okay, no. it was it was that 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 purple patch stretch was definitely well. Was it the best form that Rashford has ever been in in his life? People are impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, well, uh, I have to, I have to mention that uh, I triple captain him in uh, double game week uh, twenty two when he played Palace and Leeds at home, and he got uh, twenty points and. Oh, by far my most successful triple captain ever, because before that I had, I think it was uh, seven points. No, five points, eight points, and then nine points. 
really wasn't ideal. But Brasford, yes, I will. I will forever be grateful to him for that uh, triple captaincy success. Yeah, yeah. No, it's always nice to see. I think the triple captain trip almost feels, you know, a bit forgotten in terms of, you know, just the way it doesn't really affect your your team building or anything like that. It's just a one off, you know, just taking this bet on one player, you know, no real knock on effects at all. But, you know, it's it certainly is, you know, one of the more fun chips to get right. Because I mean, just seeing, you know, sixty points or, you know, even like ninety points, hundred points for when you really, really get it right you know, just in your team. I mean, that's, just, isn't that the best feeling in the world? That is the beauty of the chip. Certainly. I think it's time to honor some of the, the breakout stars of this season. Don't you think? Let's do it. Let's uh, start with the breakout 11. Mm, yes. Okay. So in the goalkeeper position, who have you got? It has to be David Raya, doesn't it? Yeah. I, you know, every year there's a, a budget keeper who really excels. It's actually kind of funny how there really is one every year. It was Nick Pope a couple of years back, and then we had Emmy Martinez, and uh, I'm, I'm missing somebody, I'm sure. But, yeah, it, it certainly has been Raya this season, and, you know, he's got attained a reputation for uh, getting bonus points even without clean sheets. I think that's that's become his thing. And, um, you know, Brentford, Brentford are a really, really solid defense. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting, I think, how it seems like obviously there are the, the premium keepers like Allison and arguably Ederson, who in theory at least can get some pretty decent, you know, put up some pretty decent numbers by just having a lot of clean sheets. And, you know, every now and then, you know, getting some bonus points. But it's really interesting that you're right. It does always seem like there's at least one keeper who is able to, it just finds himself in the right type of defense that yeah. gives up a lot of shots, but not a lot of especially dangerous ones. Is able to make all the saves, gets some clean sheets. But really, I mean, Ryan had 154 saves this season. That's pretty ridiculous. Can you... Do you have the, the numbers for, you know, the next most saves after that? Yeah, let me take a look. Okay. Yeah, I think, ooh, last year, I'm looking at last year's uh, document, and we, we put Jose Sa as our goalkeeper. Okay. Yeah. So, Leno at Fulham was 144, Pickford 124, Fabianski 109, Sa 108. And Sa, Sa last year, our breakout keeper, Leno 121. But, you know, still. Good clean sheet numbers, good bonus point numbers. So, yeah, interesting. I, yeah, no, I mean, I I just think that for next year at least, I'm personally going to try to make a point of this just before the start of the season, just to do a bit of research, maybe crunch a few numbers to really try to find the next keeper who fits that type of profile, plays in a maybe an underrated defense, and you know is a good shot stopper and can really be counted on to rack up a lot of saves. That's a really good take. Yes, uh, I never owned him, unfortunately. Yeah, I had him for at least a pretty pretty substantial part of my campaign. Nice. Um, yeah, and then I guess mm, for the rest of the 11, I don't think we're going to spend quite so much time on each player just because it would be really, really lengthy, right? Yeah, no, that's a good point. So for our three defenders, we've got Trippier, White, and Estupinian. Any words for those three? Well, we've talked about Trippier. Yeah, not much more needs to be said. I mean, White, I think arguably we could have chosen any Arsenal defender. Right. But... White, I think, from the FPL standpoint, 
probably it was just the, the cheapest one and also most consistent and most dynamic offensively. I don't know about consistent, but yeah, he definitely most he dynamic. Definitely. Maybe not most consistent. Because um, I mean Gabrielle and Saliba before the injury were probably more consistent, but um he, he did get the most attacking returns. Yeah. Out of yeah. All of them. And no. started at 4.5 too, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Because yeah. well, we did think he'd be a center back at first, didn't we? And then back. Because that's well, I mean, he played it right back, but I mean, coming into the season, I mean, he had been a center back in Brighton and yeah, 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 yeah. stops. So that was nice to see. Yeah, a surefire way into into that Arsenal defense. Yes. And I remember when he turned into prime Danny Alves for four weeks. Yeah, I think he actually, you know, just watching him impressed me with some of the balls he put in. Not exactly oh, yeah. front desk, but no, he had he really primary quality. Great chemistry with Saka on the right. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Estupinian. I think yeah. uh, maybe the the breakout star on the on the left hand side. Absolutely, I mean he was really really exciting, and he always had so much energy, and just he was just bombing up that left hand side, wasn't he? Uh, just a perfect fit for that Brighton team, I think. Mm. Just the type of player they they love to have, um, and you know I think Brighton as a whole really really started converting their xG into actual goals this season, and Estupinian. I think it was a big, big part of that. Yeah, certainly. I'm a, I'm very excited to probably own him next year as well. Yeah, I am worried about the price hikes. Because, mm. I mean, Matoma, Matoma could be 8. I think Estupinian could be reasonably 5.5. 5. Mm, yeah. So, I mean, this may have been the season, but it was it was a great season. It was. Oh, okay, well, let's move on to the midfielders. We've got uh, Matoma as one of our five. No, yes, five midfielders. Five, yeah. He, let's see. Well, he really, I would say he kind of burst onto the scene with a really nice run. Um, and he's, you know, ticked along very nicely with, you know, assists and goals, but uh, trailed off a little bit by the end of the season. But just a little bit. Maybe some of that XG production was just a little bit unsustainable. Yes. But I mean, even still, I mean, there's, there's no denying he got. You know, he, maybe he was getting lucky, you know, when he really burst on. But he got unlucky near the end. Mm. Like, the XG wasn't that bad. And, you know, I think, like, he had 1.47 XG against City, 0.82 XG against Southampton, 0.69 XG against United. No goals in any of those games. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too worried that he's just going to completely regret the next game. Yeah. Well, it all evens out eventually. It's yeah. at least what we're supposed to believe. Theory, yeah, I think in the in the flop eleven, we'll see many examples of that. Mm, that's right. But uh, yes, for other midfielders, we've got well, we could have put Saka, Martinelli, and Odegaard all here, but we excluded Saka because he had, you know, was already pretty well established. But Martinelli and Odegaard, especially, I mean, they went to new heights. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, neither of them really had any sort of season or any sort of stretch at all, even before this, where before the season, I should say, when they were like really in that FPL conversation at all, you know, I mean, they were pretty much just replacement level midfielders, you know, get you, you know, a couple goals, a couple assists only. I mean, not even really if they had, you know, great fixtures because there were always just, you know, better options, but I mean, really, I mean, they, I would say those three really cemented themselves as a really, really powerful trio. Yeah. And, just all, all three of them in their own ways just 
game changing assets. But as we said, Marnelli and Odegaard really the breakout players. Yeah. And actually, the fixtures for next season have just been released, and Arsenal have a really nice run. And I'm sure I'm going to be having one of these players. Yeah. I, I think, you know, as, as we were saying, just with the price hikes, it's probably going to be, we'll probably have to pick one of them mm. as opposed to being able to get two of them. Right. Yeah. Which is, you know, a shame, but it's what happens. It's the game. Yeah. I also want to point out that it's quite interesting that both of them, or no, uh, Marnelli got 15 goals and nine assists, and Odegaard got uh, 15 goals and eight assists. And uh, Odegaard has, I think, 14 more points than Martinelli does ended up with. So that's just, I guess, Odegaard was more of a bonus points magnet, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, maybe this is a bit too early. If you were to, let's say they're the same price next season. If you were to get one of them in your team of the two, who would it be? I'm not answering that. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, should we move on to some more uh, budget midfielders, perhaps? Yeah. So we actually, actually, we're looking at uh, Morgan Gibbs White and Andreas Pereira. I think Gibbs White, especially in that Forest team, just I mean, he what put up was it six goals, twelve assists, was it? Gibbs. Yeah. Yeah. Some really nice goal involvements overall. Yeah, and I think especially compared with, you know, what he was last year, which was just a really a nobody 4.5 midfielder at Wolves. He got that move to Forest, and he's, you know, he's he's, he's done well. In firm he has, yeah. yeah. I mean, there aren't all that many goals to be had in that Forest team. Yeah. But, you know, he's, he was probably the main driver between, driver of anything that really happened. And, you know, he really ended the season strong. And I, I would say they certainly want to watch going into next season, especially with, you know, Tyler Lohany mm. and maybe even Brendan Johnson. Yes. All right. And then for our last midfielder, Andreas, well, he, you know, I would say, I mean, he was definitely the most popular 4.5 midfielder, wasn't he? I think so, yeah. And, you know, I think late in the season, he had that pretty brutal foot injury ankle injury maybe against man city but before then i mean he really had a nice campaign and was really the 4.5 midfielder everyone wants to have although he wasn't really in my starting 11 for a lot of his returns sure but you know i think i think everyone had you know at least a game or two where he either came off the bench or was thrust into the starting lineup and delivered mm -hmm. all right and finally our two forwards we've got we've got tony and mitrovich yeah i mean Ivan Tony was maybe a bit of a boogeyman for, for much of last season, but he's really come good on his potential this year. And I would say maybe, you know, the, the few owners that put a bet on him to succeed very well. Uh, let's see what you did there, man. Let's see what you did. Obviously his uh, status for next season is, is very much up in the air due to his what eight month gambling ban. Something like that. Yes. So, you know, as opposed to, I would say most of these other players, he isn't exactly you know, going to be a major factor next season, but still this season, I'm 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 happy for him that he was able to come good. Listen, man, twenty goals is in the Premier League is, is not a joke. Yeah, yeah, and you know there there will be people that maybe object to the way he's gotten those goals. You know, just a lot of penalties, a lot of happens, but you know that's the game. It is the game. Mitrovic, right. yes, we, we have talked about him a bit, but just I, to, I, I would say that, I mean, 
despite the injuries, the suspensions, if you look at what he did, you know, on a per game basis, you know, in in the in the moments where he was really an FPL, a viable FPL asset, and you knew he was going to start, he did a good job, and he usually rewarded you. Oh yeah, and I think you know there was he he's built a reputation for himself as somebody who really you know is too good for the championship but not good enough for the Premier League. Um, but I think you know if, if he had not sustained so many injuries in that stupid suspension, frankly, um, I'm sure he would have continued to you know keep firing. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and hopefully he can. You know, next season he can rebound, put really just put a clean season together. And I mean, would it really surprise you to see him, you know, as the next member of the, the 20 goal club? Ooh. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. And I think before we move on to the, the flop 11, there's there's one more player we have to mention Erling Holland. Really? I, I think. Wow. I would not agree. No, I'm kidding. I, th- I think you know we we just have to we just have to throw it out there because maybe he wasn't exactly a breakout, you know, given the goals he applied at at Dortmund coming in with that eleven point five million dollar price tag, but I mean for for our first year player in the Premier League to do everything he did, just merits some consideration. I think. Would you call him the face of the Premier League now? It's a good question. I think I might. Yeah. I think as long as City are the top team in the league, he's the face of it. Yeah, uh, he just gets talked about more. I think on that. Yeah, and he's just such a such a charismatic figure as well, wouldn't you say? Did you see that post match interview in the Champions League final? Which one? Yeah. Um, or no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was reflecting on his season, and it was with the CBS crew. It was with Ari and and Kate Abdo and Micah. Richards and uh, he asked Henri if there was one piece of advice for me, what would it be? Um, and Henri was like something about like you, using your right foot more, and that if Holland masters that, then it's over for the league. And Holland, you know, really took that, and he was reflecting on his season, and he was like, you know, we all we all change after, you know, even even looking back on my time at Dortmund. Um, you know, I'll be, I'll be like, oh my god, I, I've I've grown so much since then, and I know that in a few years, looking back on my time now, I'll be like, what the hell is this guy doing? And I know I'll, I'll get so much better. And and you know, he's talking about how much he's grown, not just as a soccer player, but also as a you know as a person, and you know, in talking to people. And I mean, you can see that he's gotten a lot a lot less robotic, and it's just, I mean, that's, that's uh, shows his tremendous mentality yeah absolutely i mean there, there's no doubt that he's not just gonna rest on his laurels he's gonna you know keep training hard he's gonna keep his his focus his mentality and you know i, I certainly expect the next season he'll be back with a vengeance yes okay so we've talked about the good let's talk about the bad yeah so We've, we've touched on him briefly before, but in goal, it has to be Ederson. Yeah, I think, like, you know, every season there, there are people who are like, oh, what a surefire way into the Man City defense. What could go wrong? And then it goes wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I think before we discuss the not a good keeper allegations, 
I do want to mention his championship <laughs> performance because he was really excellent and he was one of the reasons we won that Champions League game against Inter. But I, that being yeah. said, is he a good keeper? <laughs> no. I mean, it, it seems like, I mean, we talked about this with the Kanji, how, I mean, the city of defense, there's always just something that goes wrong <sighs> while the win is wrapped up and they just can't quite hold on for the clean sheet. But maybe, maybe Pep tells the defense to concede a consolation goal every game just so people don't get really mad at him for being people don't get mad at Pep for, you know, being too good and walking the league, even though he does it anyway. That's an interesting theory. I've thought about that one before. <laughs> Maybe we should, you know, look into it. Yeah, we can conduct some statistical analysis on that. Yeah, yeah. But it almost does feel like City are, are too good for their own good in terms oh. of defense. Fully are. Yeah. Because you know, if they had to defend these one 0 leads, there's no doubt in my mind they'd be keeping the clean sheet. But right. I don't know. I mean that almost just feels like something, you know, the, the models can't take into consideration. Yeah. Like if you're five goals up. What the hell is one goal conceded going to matter? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you really going to risk injury? You know, in in a, in a tough fifty fifty, right. just to, you know, stop one goal from going in. Exactly. I don't know if you are. All right. Uh, let's let's move on to the defense, and you know, I think there are considerably more candidates for the slot eleven than the breakout eleven. We've got Reese James, Ivan Perisic, and uh, Andrew Robertson. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, in, in their own ways, they were all extremely disappointing. Uh, I mean, Reese James, we talked about him. It, just nothing went right for him this season, did it? No. Just injury setback after injury setback. And yeah, when he was back, he didn't look as, as good as he was before. He looked a lot, you know, less assured in his body, I think, which is really sad to see. Yeah. And I mean, he's only 23 years old, but it just, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like there's an answer for this, you know, it just seems systemic with him. Yeah. Maybe it's our medical staff. We need, we need an overhaul. I don't know. Maybe there's just, you know, too many players at Chelsea that he can't get the individual attention he needs. <laughs> I don't have anything to say to that. <laughs> Uh yeah, I mean I'm I'm hoping all the best for him. I did get a restreams jersey over the summer when I was in London, so I really would hate to, you know, have that not be something I can wear around with pride. I feel that yeah. I mean I think either way, no one would laugh at you for having a restreams jersey because you know at the end of the day when he's on the pitch he seems like a good player. Yes, even if you know marred by injuries, but yeah, certainly from an FPL asset. From an FPL perspective, a disappointing asset. Perisic, I think, compared to the expectations that we had going into the season, well, he had such a good relationship with Conte at Inter, and now that they were both at Spurs, we expected great things, but uh, great things did not come. Yeah, I mean, from from an attacking perspective, I mean, we looked at what he did at, uh, what was, it? was it Inter? Yeah. Yeah, and it just never really, never really reached those same heights of, you know, getting goals and assists and, and all that. And obviously Spurs defense wasn't great either, which couldn't have helped. Yeah. Uh, Robertson, I think once again, compared to what he was like before, um, which is you know consistently 200-ish point seasons in the past few years, it's it's been a big drop off, hasn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, surprisingly, actually, the attacking output was, you know, for the most most part still there. I think he had eight assists, which is pretty yeah. good. But I mean, that's just that's just not good enough, really. I mean, how many clean sheets did he have? Can't even remember. I think it might have been, you know, like single digits even. So, I mean, for Liverpool, I mean, who could have reasonably expected to have, you know, 15, 16 clean sheets this season. It just wasn't good enough. Yeah. Let me take a look. He got nine clean sheets. Yeah. Nine. Yeah. Okay. And the midfielders. We've got, oh boy, have we got options here. This, this, uh, is, the, this is the fun part, isn't it? Yeah. So, Kingman's on. Kingman's son, what, 23 goals, 10 assists last season? Yeah. I mean, just a stellar record before this season. There, there, was, there was nothing, no indication at all that he should have dropped off the way he did. And, I mean, you can make an argument that, what, he put up, what, 10 goals, 6 assists, under 50-something points, which, you know, on the face of it, maybe doesn't feel like the worst season. But it's just, it's depressing, honestly, that he was never really able to be a legit asset. Yeah. Just I mean, to... when was maybe at the end of the season when people were just crying out for a differential? But when was he ever really in the conversation? I don't think he ever was. Literally never. Yeah, you're right. It's I don't know. How do you, how does that happen? How does that happen? Genuinely, I couldn't tell you mm. because it's it's not even just that he regressed from his xG because you know, like he put up what twenty three goals on seventeen xG. Some usually put up seventeen goals on you know thirteen or fourteen or whatever it was. But it just, I mean, he had 9.8 XG this season on 10 goals. So that wasn't even the answer. Some things cannot be explained, I suppose. Yeah, I guess not. Some things for my my fantasy draft team where he was my first round pick can't be explained either. Oh, that hurts. That really yeah, hurts. That was one to forget. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, all of these players had seasons to forget. We've got uh, Raheem Sterling and Mason Mount. I yeah, think. I mean, really just... I almost just don't have anything to say about them because they were just so irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, Sterling probably got what he deserved for leaving City, in my opinion. Just mm -hmm. because, I mean, it was... In my opinion, it was extremely arrogant to think that he was, you know, so much better than the role and the opportunities he was getting in City. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it is, in in many ways, comical that... He wanted more playing time, and he wanted a bigger role, and he wants to be, you know, the man at another big club. And then he goes to a club where it's just so over oversaturated with first team players that he can barely get a look in. Yeah, I mean, he got none of those things, did he? Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't really seem like his career can really go anywhere from here. But mm. you know, I mean, I still am, you know, rooting for him. Sure. I'm not, you know. Praying on his downfall or anything like that, sure, sure, sure. but it, it just doesn't seem like his out his outlook is all that great. Hmm. Uh, okay, uh, we've got um, Mason Mount. As I said, it's just really sad, isn't it? We just yeah we fell yeah. off. I mean, he was really you know one of the one of the the leagues and one of FPL's brightest stars last year. Put up what 180 points. Wow. Really, good, really good return. And this year he was just nowhere to be found. I mean, it looks like he's on the way out, even at Chelsea. To United, maybe. So, you know, failing upwards. But Shocking. Let's see. He's, he's Cobham, through and through. 
He is, yeah. And it, it would be a shame for him to, to depart under those circumstances. But it looks like, you know, there's, there just isn't a future for him here. Mm. Um, okay. Yes, two more two more players are midfielders. We have Dejan Kulusevsky. Yeah, I mean, Kulusevsky had a really, really underwhelming season. I mean... Two goals, seven assists in over 2,000 minutes, playing with, you know, Kane, Son, and the like. I mean, he seemed like he was the starter for a really long time, but he just never really seemed to do anything to deserve that role. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he was we, – we were talking about him as the, the, signing of the season, signing of the January transfer window last season, weren't we? We were, yeah, because, I mean – I think he really did more over that that stretch than he did all this season. I mean, just looking at the numbers, he had 99 points last season in 1,200 minutes, 96 points this season, 2,000 minutes. Ooh. Which yeah. just isn't pretty at all. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, what is that, like half of his output from last season? Yeah, less. Less, yeah. I mean, once again, some with some players, it just seemed to all go wrong. You know? Yeah. And uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, somebody else uh, who we had marked down as potentially a, a January. No, 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 no. What am I talking about? Wait, was it Anthony? Wasn't a. And Anthony came in at the end of the end of the summer. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 he just. I mean, he popped up with three goals in his first three games, didn't he? And completely dropped off the map after that. Just one goal and two assists over the rest of the season. Lord, that is really hundred million dollar man. I mean, and you know the thing with some players is you know you can see that there's a player in there. I don't see a player in Anthony. He seems like I just don't even know what like what his his winning attributes could possibly be at this point, like. You can tell some players, you know, they're, you know, really good, you know, just at shooting or at getting past players or, you know, extremely pacey. But Anthony, I mean, doesn't seem to have any of that. I think his calling card was supposed to be, you know, his, his on-ball ability. Yeah. But he didn't seem any sort of, you know, willingness or ability to take on men and beat them. I remember the Man United Twitter account posted a, a clip of Anthony doing some some I guess a good chest control out of the air and um and, and the caption was like sublime or something uh, but in the clip at the end of it Anthony literally loses the ball I think which I do remember that he's completely got bullied off the ball yeah 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 and yeah I'm, I'm sure admin was just looking for something to post about him but it, it's it's pretty depressing that that was the solution standards am I right yeah yeah and I mean do you think there's really any path for in the future for Anthony to be an, an asset that we have any desire to have in our teams? I don't see any potential for that. No, not really. Yeah, it's too bad, isn't it? Yes. And the same can be said for uh, the other seven-ish million pound Man United midfielder, Jaden Sancho. Yeah, yeah. Just, he was he was slightly snubbed for our team, perhaps. Yeah. But probably deserved it. Like just another three goal threes this season, something like that. It's, it's just trademark. It's just really sad. 
I mean, when, when are we going to talk about United just gobbling up this young talent and just destroying their careers? It's it, they, they should pay. They should pay for their crimes. It's they have arguably. They have. I mean, you know, just I guess I guess they you know are qualifying for Champions League football again, but you know, it's it's clear that this team isn't really you know built to compete in the Premier League. Right. For the title. Yeah. Okay, and finally our two forwards. We've got oh. These are fun. We've got Richarlison and Havertz. Yeah. Uh, let's start with Richarlison, shall we? Uh, a big, you know, summer signing uh, from Spurs. And, I mean, it's it's just so funny that he got more yellow cards from celebrating offside disallowed goals than from scoring goals. Yeah. That Jeez. really captures his the season, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And of course, he did score that goal against Liverpool that last minute. They they lost that game though. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I mean, he was great for Brazil in the World Cup, wasn't he? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think he stepped in very admirably after Jesus had his knee injury. No, I mean, he, he's. I think he's first choice for Brazil. Really? Okay. So, but yeah, I mean, he certainly looked like he had found his form for Brazil, but just never was really really able to carry it back to England. There was this one clip of him. I remember he, and I think it probably sums him up pretty nicely. He did some little, like, like maybe it was like a rainbow flick or something. Yeah, just, please. what's that? Keepy uppies. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Just, you know, just in the middle of a possession, basically. Wasn't going anywhere, just, you know, wanted to do it. And then he just immediately gets clattered by some English lad you've never heard of from, like, maybe, like, Nottingham Forest or something like that. <laughs> and I, I think it just summed up so well what went wrong from this season. Because it almost just, I mean, I know he had success at Everton before, but it almost just seems like going to a big club, he just thought that everything would be easier. And there would just be, you know, more space to operate, and there just wasn't. <laughs> and then Kai Havertz. Oh, Havertz. He's... The only reason he hasn't been completely excommunicated from Chelsea is because he looks... He's good-looking. You think that's it? I that I'm so convinced that that's it. He has pretty privilege. Yeah, it's it's alive and well in the Premier League, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but in terms of footballing ability, he don't got it. No, he don't. I mean, he he might be the worst finisher in the Prem. <laughs> Statistically, hasn't he underperformed his XG? I think he has. It's him and Bamford. Yeah. <laughs> so, tells tells you all you need to know. I think. And yeah, it's it's stunning that the amount of players Chelsea have in their squad, and they can't find a better striker than Havertz. Seven goals and one assist is horrifying for the type of player that's had the chances he's had. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the type of player that he's supposedly that we supposedly got from Leverkusen. I mean, he certainly was a bright young talent back in the day. And that player is just nowhere to be found. So we've talked about the good, we've talked about the bad, and now let's talk about the ugly. Time to move on to our horror stories and worst mistakes from the season. Yeah, I think my my worst mistake without question has to be my my complete lapse in any sort of 
FPL awareness and just forgetting to use my my worth of wild card. Yeah, so so have you have you done that? Well, in in my defense, it was it was an extremely busy time in my in my in my personal life with you know, much to do with college applications and the like. And and put simply, um I I kept putting it off and telling myself I'm not gonna make any you know any decisions. I'm not gonna make any transfers, I should say, until after the after the final game. Because, you know, things can always happen, players can get hurt, and there's you know, there's no reason to, you know, risk losing losing money on like actual like player and squad value on mm. transfers if you might have to just undo it later. And so I told myself, okay, I would you know, what it ends on what, the eighteenth? So it still gives me a week or so. But that, you know, happens to be one of the most busy weeks of my life. You get cut off in things and I just never go through with anything. Yeah. No, I completely understand that, actually. Um, and in fact, I guess, yeah, generally this year, I've also been very busy and I haven't really, you know, had the chance to actually do a lot of planning for even my free transfers, but especially my wild cards. Um, I also had to actually funny thing about my wild card uh, World Cup wild card is um, I, I, you know, I was planning on, you know, really, you know, spending a lot of time on it the day before the deadline. And I think I got really bad food poisoning and I was completely bedridden. Um, and uh, I, re I remember like not even being able to fall asleep because everything was hurting so much. Um, and wow. I was on the couch like half half asleep, half awake, and it was the deadline was like six six a.m. maybe, and it was maybe four or five in the morning, and I I remember distinctly remember putting Eddie and Ketia in my team, <laughs> and he, he did get me two goals, so maybe get food poisoning next time. Yeah, I'll try. Keep it in mind. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, just going back to my my. Yep. Horror story. It left me with, you know, players such as Jared Bowen, uh, an injured Gabriel Jesus, uh, Emerson Palmieri, Nico Williams, and and just all sorts of players like that in my team. Mm. And it wasn't pretty. No. <laughs> no. Uh you've okay, no. I'll I'll go with mine and then you can do yours, your second one. So for me pretty recent it's it's the wilson captaincy fail uh and just as a refresher it was i spent a lot of time to, it was the week where we were like wilson or isaac and i went with wilson because i had a gut feeling about him and it turned out to be the right decision uh and i was going to captain it because i mean it was what leeds and brighton those are two pretty captainable fixtures and i thought i did it it, it, it said i did it on on fpl.team and then I refreshed live FPL uh, the morning after the deadline, and it was still on Holland. And Wilson got twenty-four points, and Holland got like seven. So that I mean, that's the difference between I finished like sixty-four k. I probably would have finished top fifty k if I. Yeah. That yeah, you would have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I'm I'm honestly not sure which of ours is worse. <laughs> I. Mm. Oh, I don't know. Let's let maybe maybe we shouldn't compare our. Sure, our... sure. <laughs> I'm right with that. Yeah. 
And then my other my other horror story I would I would have to say is a you know not not so overarching but just one very specific very bad decision that really really hurt me. And okay, so just to give you some uh some context, it's it's in what mid late January. Uh, Arsenal just brought in Leandro Trossard, and it really seems like he's gonna take up a lot of Martinelli's minutes and just be you know almost like a fourth starting starting attacker and i'm i'm kind of panicking because i have martinelli in my team and i but i also see this as an opportunity because i think you know on on the previous week's podcast we talked about how you know sometimes it's okay to take free hits because you know if if it's the type of player who you know is not going to be, you know, it, it seems like, you know, one player's role is really dwindling and another player's really surging. There's just so much, you know, upside to be had in, in taking the free hit, even if it costs you four points. And so, you know, emboldened by that, I I decide that I'm going to get Martinelli out. And it it's just so urgent that I need to take, to take a hit to do it. And so I, I decide that, okay, Martinelli... Is, is going to go out and I'm looking for some replacements and I think Mars okay and I got Mars in and Mars actually has a pretty nice first week but you know I think he scores 14 points over the double which you know isn't so bad and I'm like okay this is fine but then Martinelli somehow just gets his place back in the team puts up six points 10 points 16 points eight points and it just keeps going and I, I think I you know counted it out over the next like six weeks which is, you know, the duration that I had Mars in my team. Yeah. Uh, Mars scored 34 points. Mm-hmm. Martinelli scored 54 points. And, you know, adding on the hits to that, that's that's a 24-point difference. And that that is probably the difference between the 198K that I ended up at and, what, 125K? Probably. Sounds like it. That's horrible. That Yeah, it really hurt. Wow. That's... That hurts just even listening to that. Uh, because such I mean such a marginal decision, right? Yeah. And it's 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 funny because Odegaard was in my team too at the time. Like, I mean, for so long, Martinelli and Odegaard were almost identical. And just, you know, in a way, choosing Odegaard over Martinelli, I mean, just was a devastating decision for me. Yes. Okay. That was the ugly, and you know, I think once again, a very, a very good, tra- you know, it's it's good to trauma dump your your FPL, FPL horror stories. It, it, it is good, but uh, let's move on to happier things, shall we? We've got our favorite slash most memorable moments in a good way from this. Yeah, quite, a, quite 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 a few of these neat little tidbits, right? Yeah, so I think the the one I'd want to start with is a little bit of a running, I don't know if it's a running joke or just a running commentary or running interesting little tidbit that I've just been kind of picking up on over the season. And the fact that it's it's kept on going and, and still, you know, is, is a thing at the end of the season, just, I don't know how to feel about it, but it's just really interesting. Yeah. So Harvey Barnes, he's been a reasonably productive FPL asset. He ended up on, what, 138 points? which isn't so bad for a 6.6 midfielder. 13 goals and, and two assists is extremely respectable. Yeah. Um, and especially, you know, given that he missed the first you know, couple games of the season with injury. Um, but the 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 odd part about it is 
He didn't have a single bonus point all season. Ugh. And I, I just, I'm struggling to understand how that's possible to, to score 13 goals and to not have a bonus point, which blows my mind. That, no, that is, that is quite bizarre. It's quite bizarre. <laughs> I don't really, maybe he's just, I, I have no explanation actually. Yeah. I mean, to be a good enough player to score 13 goals, but not a good enough player to score a bonus point, just doesn't seem possible, really. That's very funny. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know how I'd, how I'd research this, but that's got to be that's got to be a record for most goals scored without a bonus point. Something like that, yes. Okay, and uh, I, yes, I would like to, to draw everyone's attention back to, uh, let me also paint a picture for you. It is, uh, it is August of 2022, and the season is yet to start, and the hottest debate in town is uh, whether we should own a, Pedro Neto or or Leon Bailey as our fifth choice, fifth sorry fifth choice midfielder, and well I mean that that preseason debate was fiery wasn't it I think Bailey uh, in the Villas preseason games Bailey really uh, got himself a couple goals and assists and Neto I think everyone was talking about how exciting he was how dynamic he was I remember thinking wow, this guy really isn't afraid to take a shot. He will be very good. And, uh, well, they ended up uh, just being completely irrelevant, shall I say? Yeah, yeah I, I think it's, it's, it is quite funny that neither side can really claim to be at all correct. Yeah. Well, and... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when, when everyone's just you know, sharing their, their Game Week 1 teams at the end of Game Week 30, I just thought it was really funny just how much everything changes over the course season, how, you know, we, we are all so confident about these decisions we make. But odds are we're just going to be completely off. Yeah, I think the real winners are the friends we made along the way, Jacob. I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Wait, okay, quick question. Uh, Oh, I'm I'm very curious about this. If you just go back to your game week one team, uh, how many players are in your game week thirty eight team? Let me check it out right now. Yes, I will. I will do that as well. Because uh, I have a couple of guesses as to. Okay. Um, I believe it's three for me. Okay. And that's David Raya actually. Oh. Salah and Holland. Oh. Huh? Okay. Give me one second and I will ascertain what it is for me. Okay. So Trent, um, Salah, and actually Nico Williams. Yes. Really? Wow. Captain in there all this time? I did. Oh, and Iverson. <laughs> Just on the bench, that's really funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't keep Williams all this time. I, oh, yeah, right, right, right. Is there anyone you kept all 38? Uh, no, no, actually. Wait, I think, I think Raya was pretty close for me, but Raya was close for you, yeah. yeah. I that was hard, yeah. I think maybe Iverson actually was someone really. I oh, that's funny, that's really funny. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yes. For me, a, a big win for me was the 
Saka captaincy uh, in when he played Palace. I forget what game week it was, but uh, 20 something actually. Let me find that out right now. It was 28, yes. Uh, and it was a week where the, the, the door was open for differentials. I don't exactly remember why the occasion, uh, but, you know, Saka got 18 points. His Arsenal compatriots got, you know, much less. And I believe the most popular captaincy candidate was someone else. And I mean, no one got it even, even close to touching Saka. That was probably my best captaincy call this whole, whole year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those are the, those are the make or break moments that really can propel you in the ranks. So, yeah, it's always and, fun when those pan out. And then, and I'll just say the triple captaincy with Rashford was very good. Yeah, yeah. I, I think my triple captain's Holland. He got what fourteen points, maybe, which you know is is pretty bang average. So, mm. so it's yeah, maybe next year we'll see. Yes. So, uh, you've got the next one. Yeah, yeah. And this was as much, I mean, as much vindication of me getting Holland in early as it was just vindication as a City fan. And that was just when he, early Holland, absolutely stormed onto the scene. First 10 games, put up 15 goals. I mean, just, just a, a stretch unlike we will ever see in the future. Until it happens, until some other player does it, I'm sure. Yeah, maybe in, in you know, 21, 22. But we'll see. Hundred years from now, yes. Uh, and you know, on that note, the back that Patrick's against Palace and Forest was, yeah, really, that was, I mean, unheard of, really delicious. And the twenty-three pointer against Man U, right. Yes, and then I think our last one that we have, I'm sure there are countless more moments that you know, little things that we like to remember. But uh, the Salah blank in the nine nil was really funny. Just funny. Really, really funny. Yeah, especially looking back on it now, and he was still the top scoring midfielder. Yeah, but just the the, the chances of that, I mean, ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Salah. It's just, I mean, it it feels like he had an average season, doesn't it? Average for Salah or average for FPL? For Salah. Is that is that a bad thing? I'm just saying, it, it feels like he's had an average season and he still ended up on 239 points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looking back on it, I mean, this was his, what, third worst season? Fourth? Yeah. Something yeah, like third worst out of six, really. So, yeah. Phenomenal. Yes. All right, and finally, our final segment of the 2022-23 season is our lessons learned. We've got three big things and uh, I'm gonna start, I'm gonna start. Yeah. So last year, one of our, uh, well, I said, I, I, I should say one of my lessons was to never ever buy Ivan Tony ever again. <laughs> I, you know, I think it was justified. He treated me very horribly last year. And I, I had a bit of a vendetta against him. Um, but, you know, this year, of course, he, he got those 20 goals and he has become the uh, yeah third highest scoring forward in the game with 182 points, 20 goals. I did own him for a bit, but, you know, probably I, I you know, 
wasn't as open or receptive to the possibility of owning him because of uh, emotional, uh, what's the word? Uh, I did, what, the biases. I was going to say disinclination towards, sure. towards him. So I think my lesson here is don't rule out certain players or hold grudges or vendettas against them because of historical performances or you know bad moments perhaps that you shared with them. Yeah, the I think it's very fair. I mean, I, I remember the the vendetta that I always remember from you, and not this was necessarily ill advised, but it was when uh, so something with Sterling and captured him, and he missed a penalty against like Palace maybe, and I think you at that at that moment you just swore that you'd never have him in your team again, mm. and I mean I I definitely understand the frustration, but just to to be a rational appeal manager. It, that's not the type of bold statement you should make. No. Even yeah. It, it is fun and entertaining to say. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I have to say, the the not owning Sterling thing hasn't exactly been too shabby for me because he hasn't... No, you, you are right about that. But still. But, you know, just like conceptually or like fundamentally, if Sterling was somebody else um, who just, I happen to... If Sterling was Saka? Yeah. That yeah. Would be really bad. <laughs> it would, yeah. Yes. Um, I think the the next lesson I'd like to offer up is just to, as as much as you can, just avoid decisions based on narratives. And I, I think it's it's important. Maybe the the biggest part of that is just understanding all the different forms of narrative can come in. Mm. Just you know a few examples that we have noticed. Uh, you know, when when someone says, "Oh, you know, he scored in the reverse fixture," as as a reason that he's going to score in this one, which I mean, really, just anyone with any sort of understanding of statistics will just understand how completely ridiculous that is. You know, yeah. some idea that you know because you know one of the shots happened to go in that he took against a certain team means that the next shot he takes is going to go in. As, as as if that's some idea that he said he's just you know figured out that defense is. Very funny to me. Well, I, I will say Salah has definitely figured out the, the Man United defense. He has more goals from uh, taking his shirt off celebrating at Anfield than, uh, sorry, yes, than, than United have goals at um, Anfield, I think. Very funny, actually. But still, still. Funny. Yeah. Not, not, that, not that I won't be getting Salah in for United next season, but something to keep in mind. Oh, that's another moment. I uh, Liverpool weren't doing so hot, and I had Salah, and I kept him. Um, and their next two fixtures were United and Bournemouth, and I kept him mostly for Bournemouth, but uh, he got, uh, I think, 21 points against United. So that was yeah, yeah. another good moment. But yes, um, another example of narratives is the historical fixture. The one that comes to mind is uh, Kane, who has a pretty good record against Leicester, and people always say, oh, Kane... Uh, loves scoring against Leicester, uh, he would be a great captaincy option this week, uh, which, you know, you can't just base that off of. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yes. And then, of uh, course, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, and one of the games came, like, against Leicester this season, so just goes to show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we've got the uh, emotional narratives. We've got, for example, the end of season, last game at Anfield, like Firmino type of thing. Um which yeah 
you know, down to, you know, give the Anfield fans one last send off, you know? Yeah. That's just ridiculous. And, you know, obviously it's fun to imagine. And certainly for Liverpool fans, heartwarming, but just playing the numbers, it's, it's extremely unlikely. Of course. And uh, I remember my first season playing, I think 1819, maybe 1920, uh, David Silva last game at home at the Etihad. uh, And he, you know, Everyone was like, oh, everyone's going to pass to him. Everyone's going to want to give him a goal. He ended up getting three points, subbed off. So, Yeah, there you go. Yes. And, you know, one more that I think we'd have to mention is, and we, we've talked about it before in just a slightly different context, but just the narratives about relegation teams, I think, mm. and the idea that, you know, well, you know, as, as the season is winding down and the, these teams are in the relegation zone, they're going to fight so much harder and just dig deeper. And also the idea that, you know, teams that aren't are just going to, you know, give up and let these other teams win and, you know, not have any sort of professional pride or also, you know, just the fact that they're playing for new contracts, right? Their position in the team and all that is just ridiculous. It's, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because, you know, talking about this, I, you know, I will admit that I have definitely fallen to, uh, you know, fallen victim to, to, the, to this narrative-based thinking before. And in fact, I think even to be fully transparent, I think on this podcast, we have, you know, used some of these things to- I think that's fair, yeah, yeah. Yes, um, but I think takeaway being, you know, th- those shouldn't play a, a major factor in your decision-making. Perhaps yeah. it could be like- I, I think, yeah, maybe the one scenario that it could potentially be used is just when you're trying to figure out like expected minutes. Yeah, but I don't know. I I would say that that that's probably the extent of it. Yeah. So just you know, don't don't let that be your main metric. Sure, sure. And the last one I have is I touched on this before is to you know don't pick differentials just for the sake of picking differentials. I can think of a a couple moments from this season uh, where I kind of just bought someone just because. Yeah, as I said, just because no one was really talking about them and I, you know, just really anticipated, hoping for that moment when that player popped off and nobody owned him and it would be so good for my rank and yeah, never happened. And it rarely ever does when you just go off of that feeling. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. And, you know, it, it's, you know, maybe it's the best feeling in the world when a differential, you know, just absolutely bangs. And to just you know shoot up in the ranks, but just on the whole, it's it's usually a losing strategy. And you know, if if you want to play the game to win and not just have fun, then there are, there are better strategies out there. Yeah. And there we have it. The FPL season is officially over. I still can't quite believe that after all the time we spent recapping, analyzing, and bantering, that it's over. Yeah, it's always a bittersweet time of the year. Bitter because the FPL team we've gotten ourselves so acquainted with just vanishes into the wind. But sweet because next season is just around the corner. Yeah, host rings eternal, doesn't it? There's always, you know, this promise of rectifying the mistakes. Oh, 
you know, this is the year that I I finally hit the rank I'm hoping for. This is the year I nail all my captaincy options. This is the year I, you know, have a solid, you know, transfer strategy. Don't just use, you know, rash free hits and and all that. But you know, right now anything's possible next year. Hope is a good sentiment to hold on to, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's just a just a matter of taking that hope and you know transforming it into something more tangible. Sure. And you know, the more seasons we play, the more experience we get. And I think undoubtedly the the better managers we will become. Of course, of course. But, you know, the same can be said for our competition. And the game is, you know, it's, it's getting harder every year. Goals. I mean, and that just means that we need to keep adapting and to keep finding the edges. Yeah, it's, the number yeah. of players is growing. Exponentially. Yeah. It's, I mean, what did it start out this year? Do you know? Maybe 8 million? Yeah, and it's, at, what, 11 and a half million right now? Yeah, which is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it's great for the game, but, you know, it's just more of a challenge. More of a challenge. But that's that's the fun of it, isn't it? Of course. Of course. Wouldn't want it either way. All right. So uh, that concludes our, yes, concludes our 2022-23 season. We will be back next season, undoubtedly. Uh, and, well, there's there's no green arrow to, to wish anyone is there. No, no. There's a, there's a, you know, just hopefully they can, you know, go out into the the great green world out there and you know spend some time. Just, you know, not not just contemplating, you know, what you can do next year, but just you know, enjoying life and relaxing. It's a lovely note to end things on. Wishing everyone a wonderful summer. Until next season. <laughs>